Howdy friends and welcome to another episode of His Redemption Road. I am your host Natalie and I am so glad you are here with us today. My hope is that this is a place where heaven meets earth and each of us can walk away in freedom with our chains left broken on the floor. My guests and I will share extraordinary testimonies of deliverance along with dreams, visions, and revelations intended to spur us on toward the road to redemption and ultimately reveal the unfailing love of the Father. So pull up a chair, grab a cup of tea, and invite your friends to come along for a stroll down His Redemption Road. friends, I am your host Natalie and today I am going to actually talk to you about a subject that has been brought up multiple times over the past couple of weeks. So growing up, this is a teaching that I learned in the church that I was in and I kind of take for granted the fact that I learned this because it's a natural part of the way I think. When we're taught something over and over again, we take for granted the fact that we know how to do those things. For instance, if you know how to ride a bike and you've known how to ride a bike for 20 years, you're going to take for granted the fact that other people don't know how to ride a bike. And so that's kind of where I am right now. Uh, The last couple of weeks, I have had multiple friends come to me with biblical questions. They were actually all different questions from one another but the foundation or the basis for beginning to answer each each of their questions all started with the same teaching and the same principle that I'm going to show you today. So the reason we're doing this is because this will make the Bible make sense. It will make it come alive for a lot of people here. And not only that, but we tend as people to take things and put them out of order. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to open the eyes and the ears of our heart and allow the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, come and teach us today. And we're going to talk about proper placement of the word of God. So if we know these truths, we can read his word and it makes sense. A lot of people that I've talked to will say things like, well, the Bible contradicts itself. I've, I've noticed the Bible contradicts itself. Well, guess what? If we put all the players in their proper place and we know the different parts of the players and put those in their proper place, the Bible does not contradict itself and it begins to make sense. So here we go. We're going to put the players in their proper place. Player number one is God. So often I hear people give God, they accuse God of doing things that the devil has done. And they give God blame for the enemy or the devil and his kingdom and his work. So we need to stop doing that. Let's take God and let's put him in his proper place. God is God. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. God is love. God is the way, the truth, and the life. So if God is love, truth, way, life, light, bread, good, then remember no evil comes from him. 
So all good things, that's from God. So let's put him in that place. Next is the devil or Satan, Lucifer. Oh, wow. How many times do we hear people give the devil credit for things that God did? So not only are we blaming God for the things the enemy has done, we're now giving the enemy credit for the things of God. Let's not do that. The Bible tells us that Satan has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if anything is bringing death, destruction, or stealing something away, that's not God. That is the devil and his kingdom. Okay, so let's put him in the proper place. Next, we have angels. We have angels that are on God's side, and we have fallen angels. I'm not going to go into a teaching about those today, but know that they're there, and there's angels that work for God, and there's angels that work against God. And then we also have something else called demons. Again, I'm not going to teach on those today, but know that they exist and that they are on team devil. So now we have God in his place. We have Satan in his place. We have Satan's kingdom in its place. We have the angels of the Lord in their place. Fallen angels are in their appropriate place and demons also. Next, we have man or human beings. We are separate from all those things. So we need to be in our proper place. After that, we have animals, the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea. And we actually have dominion over those things. And again, those need to be placed in their proper position. Now, we still need to go one step further. We have the players named. We know where they're supposed to be in the order of things. But there's more. So now we have God. God is a three-part God. He is God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is seated on the throne in the heavenly realms. Jesus, who came as a man, was born, died, rose again, and he is now today at the right hand of God the Father, also seated in heavenly places, making intercession for us. So God the Father and God the Son are both in heavenly places, seated there, and the Son is making intercession for us. So they are in their proper place, but there is a third part who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, comes to dwell inside you. That makes you, as a human, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he is inside of us. So now we have God in three parts, and the God in three parts are in their appropriate place and position. Okay, well, guess what? There's still more. So now we have to deal with man. Like God. We human beings are three-part creatures. And I taught this to someone a week or two ago, and they were really upset that they had never learned this because it opened up the world of scriptures to make sense, to where the contradictions that they thought there were or that were difficult to explain, those faded away. Because once you realize that human beings, you and me, 
are three-part creatures, just like God. Remember, we're made in the image of God. So not only do we look like him in the flesh, but we also look like him in the way we were created. We are what is called spirit, soul, and body. So the spirit of man is the part of man that gets saved or born again when we ask Jesus Christ into our hearts. The Bible often refers to the old man, us, pre-Jesus, before we gave our lives to him, and the new man, us. When the Bible talks about that, it is actually talking about our spirit man. Our spirit is the thing that is made new. Where the old man, Adam, died, that was our old spirit. Our new man, Adam, is now alive. That is our new spirit. That is what is saved. That is what is going to heaven. So next is our soul. Our soul is kind of what we think of as being ourselves. It's our mind, our will, and emotions. It's our thinker. It's where we laugh and cry. It's what we teach. It's kind of our personality. That is the soul. The soul, when we ask Jesus Christ to come into our lives, our soul is not uh, saved. That is the part of us that the Bible talks about when it says it's being renewed. Renew your mind. Renew your, your inner man is being renewed. Things like that. Those types of phrases in the word of God are talking about our soul. Okay? So our soul will also go to heaven. But right now on earth, as we're using it, it is not yet made perfect. Our spirit is made perfect. Our soul is not yet made perfect. Our soul has had the benefit of being taught from the moment we were born. So if we were taught stinking thinking from the moment we were born, then we need to renew our minds to think the way Jesus thinks. It's the part of us that is trained, the part of us that is teachable, the part of us that changes its mind over time and becomes more like Jesus. And then the third part of us is our body. Our body is actually our vehicle. It is our physical flesh, skin, bones, eyes, hair, teeth, the thing that breathes and cries and goes to sleep and wakes up. That is our body. Again, the moment we were saved, our body was not changed. But when we stand before God, either we've died or we've been raptured, whatever it may be, our body, we get a new body, an incorruptible body. The body that we have right now, it turns back into dust. Okay? So now we have all the players in their part. We have God, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us once we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We have angels. We have Satan. We have fallen angels. We have demons. We have human beings, I'll call that man, and we have in, within man the spirit, the soul, and the body. Now, how does this help us? Well, it helps us, I'm going to give a few examples, and I'm going to read from my Bible here. It is the New King James Version, so if you hear paper turning, that is why. I'm going to go to 1 John 3, 4 through 9 first, and I'm going to read this to you. And explain what it's talking about. Okay. So 1 John 3 starting in verse 4 says. Whoever commits sin 
also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And here's the key verse we're going to look at. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his, that's God, capital H, his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So a lot of people read this scripture and they'll say things like, well, once you become a Christian, you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, you've been born again, phrases like that. Those are Christian phrases that you'll hear around churches. And a lot of people will say, well, because of 1 John 3, 9, once you are a Christian, you cannot sin. That is not what this is saying. This is talking about the spirit man that became new, a new creature, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Our spirit cannot sin, for the seed of God has been planted in the seed of our spirit, okay? So our spirit man cannot sin. It is not going to um, waver back and forth from being saved and unsaved. It's not going to waver back and forth from righteousness and unrighteousness. No, once you've given yourself to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are saved. You are uh, a child of God. You are sealed for the day of redemption. And that is the spirit that we're talking about. Our spirit cannot cannot uh, sin. That is good news. That is very good news. Now, a lot of people say, well, that contradicts um, other scriptures. So I've heard a lot of people say that this verse contradicts another verse in 1 John 10. I'm sorry, 1 John 1, specifically verse 10. So I'm going to read um, 1 John 1, verses 5 through 10. It says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he, God, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him, God, a liar, and his word is not in us. So it's really interesting. In 1 John 3, 9, it says, Whoever 
has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. But 1 John 1.10 says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him, God, a liar, and his word is not in us. So I had so many people say, well, those scriptures contradict each other. Well, no, we already discussed the first one that that's talking about our spirit. Well, it says, you know, if we're born of God, um, whoever has been born of God does not sin for his God's seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. That's our spirit. Our spirit can no longer sin once Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior because God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of us. First John 1.10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him, God, a liar and his word is not in us. This is um, possibly two parts, um, but the part that I've always interpreted this to be is that this is speaking of the person, the man, before Jesus Christ becomes their Lord and Savior. Before Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, uh, yeah, you've sinned. But even more than that, if we say we do not have sin, that's also talking about our soul. Our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, the part of us that makes decisions day in and day out that we allow to control us, that part is, um, it still sins. It does sin. And to say that it doesn't <laughs> would be wrong. So script, the first one, 1 John 3, 9, is speaking about our spirit man. But 1 John 1, 10 is speaking about our soul man. So it's actually talking about two different parts of the same person, which is very interesting um, that when you put them in place, you see that scripture does not contradict itself. Another verse that we can look at is Romans 12, 2. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, so here we go. This is talking about the soul man. Our spirit has already been renewed. Our spirit cannot sin, but our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, we still think for ourselves and we can still choose what is wrong. We have been taught up until the moment we made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, we have been taught all sorts of things. Some of them may be good and godly and righteous, and some of them may just be completely off target. We may have even been stuck in a sin addiction of some type or a sin lifestyle where we did things that were not pleasing to the Lord. This verse is talking about our mind. It says, do not be conformed to this world. Hey, you Christian. Hey, you person who has given your life to Jesus, who has asked Jesus to be Lord of your life. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind reteach your mind about the things of God. Reteach your mind the things that God says are good and holy and just and true and righteous and lovely. Retrain your mind to do the things of God because when our mind is renewed, our body follows because our mind is what tells our body what to do, right? That you may prove 
what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? So here we go. It's not our spirit that's being renewed. Our spirit's already been renewed. Okay. It's our mind. Okay. So the next scripture that we're going to look at is 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal. So the first verse that we read was 2 Corinthians 4:16, And it talks about, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. The outward man is the third part of man. It is the body, the vehicle, the skin, the bones, the muscles, the thing that we look at in the mirror and go everywhere in. That is our body, and it is perishing. But we do not lose heart because our body is perishing. Remember, we're going to get a new body in the heavenly realms. It says, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Okay, well, here's the trick. There's two parts to our inward man. There's the spirit part of our inward man. That's a new creation. That is made complete in Christ that cannot sin. And there's the soul part of our inward man, our mind, will, and emotions that used to think wrong, maybe still think wrong. It's the soul part that is being talked about here. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. That is our soul. That is our mind. Through reading the word of God, through prayer, through seeking God's face, our inward man, the soul part of us, the mind, will, and emotions can be, will be, and should be renewed day by day. So I only use these three scriptures. There's a lot of scriptures that get pulled out of place. They either are, and typically when scriptures are pulled out of place, I find that, um, People are confusing the spirit, the soul, and the body. That is the biggest confusion that seems to take place when people read the word of God. So here's my challenge. As you sit down and as I sit down to read the word of God, each time we have that moment to do that, let's pray to the Holy Spirit to tell us which part, what players are we reading about? Holy Spirit, what part of man is this? What part of God is this? Uh, are these talking about angels, Satan, demons, animals, people, the Lord himself? Let's ask that of God. And as we read the scriptures, let's put everyone and everything in its proper place. Because when we do that, the Bible makes sense. The Bible does not contradict itself. God does not contradict himself. His word is true and alive, and sharp, and it's good. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord of lights, who, whom there is no turning. The enemy comes to still kill and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. 
So let's pray that. And if you are confused on anything, ask someone who knows the word of God and reads the word of God. Ask God himself to speak to you. He longs to speak to you. He longs to speak to me. Here's another scripture that actually I just looked down and my Bible happens to be open to it. It's 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. So the Spirit of the Lord is the Holy Spirit. That's the part of God that lives inside of us, dwells inside of us once we accept him as our Lord and Savior. And we are made in the image of God. And we are able to behold the Lord. And just as looking in a mirror, the glory of the Lord transforms our spirit. And the key to the Christian life, to following Jesus well, is living a life of righteousness. And the way we do that is having our spirit line up with the Holy Spirit that's inside of us. And then having our mind, will, and emotions, our soul, bow to our spirit that is lined up with God's spirit. And when our soul is in submission to our spirit, which ultimately makes it in submission to the spirit of God, then our body walks out righteousness. There's that scripture uh, that says, Lord, Lord, you know, I did all these things in your name. I prophesied, I healed the sick. I did all these things in your name. And then God replies and says, depart from me, for I never knew you, you who practiced lawlessness. So the grace of God, the salvation of the Lord, is not a free ticket to go around and living lawless. Instead, it is a ticket to finally not be chained to sin and death, but rather to live in freedom and be like Christ. To allow our spirits to submit to the Holy Spirit of God and to rise up in righteousness and to live as Jesus here on earth. And in doing that, that's when we do the even greater things. When we submit ourselves to the Spirit of God, that's when we walk in power and truth and authority over the enemy in the kingdom of darkness to make God's name famous and great in all the earth. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person that you are calling and drawing by name. Lord, I pray that today every single person that listens to this episode would have an encounter with the Spirit of Truth. And that you, O oh God, would reveal yourself to each and every one of them. 
God, I pray for those of us that have built up stones of pride and walls of pride around our hearts and minds, that those walls would come down and that we would put everything in its proper place and proper order, that we would see you and your word the way you wrote it and meant it, and that we would accept it and apply it to our lives. I pray, Lord, that the eyes and ears of our hearts would be open and that we would see into the spiritual realm, that we would see the things that are eternal and the things that last, and that we would let go of those things that are temporary and try to divide us. God, I pray that we would long to live lives of righteousness, that we would lay down our sin by coming into submission to your spirit, that we would buffet our bodies, that we would place our bodies into submission to the spirit of God inside of us, and that we would line up our spirit to your spirit, and that our souls, our minds, our will, and our emotions would be renewed daily through the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, that you love us. We love you because you first loved us. You are glorious. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey friends, thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be grateful if you could share it with a friend and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your encouragement will be helpful in leading others to find us. You can stay connected with me on Facebook or Instagram at His Redemption Road. Also, if you haven't read my memoir, Healing Wings by Natalie Sherwood, you can pick it up on Amazon today. Have an amazing week in the Lord and be blessed everywhere you go.